Well, welcome to Fall Classic. It is uh, good to be here together. Second year in Big Bear. We are in the largest house I think I've ever been in, which is cool. Um, that's not true. That place at Oceanside is the largest oh, house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> make a note of that. Um, these are unique times to get away, right? And to be up here, these don't come around every day. A time for you to get away from the normal routine. For us, myself too, to get away from uh, our jobs. Kate, did you put your computer away? Okay, good. Now she's working on her phone. Um, to, to put work away and to just get time alone with the Lord. It's so hard to get here sometimes. All the planning, all the things that go into this, you're thinking, is it worth it? I got to pay money. It's out of the ordinary. It's difficult. There's all these things that go through our minds on the way up and in the preparation phase. And then you get here and you sing two songs and immediately it's like, Lord, I'm grateful. I'm, gr I'm glad to be here in a spot where I can be molded and shaped more into the image of Christ. And we need that. It is so important for us. Even Jesus took his men away and got time alone with them. And for us to be up here in concentrated, focused time to address issues in each one of our hearts so that we are pressing on to know Jesus Christ and to love him. And we're not getting caught up in the robotic activities of what ministry in the Christian life can become which happens to all of us as we turn to little Pharisees and hypocrites. But this is a time to kind of hit the reset, to get away, to evaluate our hearts, to ask difficult questions of the Lord about ourselves that he would reveal to us and the people around you of what they see in your life so that you can have good, open conversations that would drive you more to be like Christ. So that's why we're here, and we're hoping that God does that this week. I want it in my life desperately and I, and I hope you do as well. And we've been praying to that end that God would use this. For those of you who've never been to a retreat like this, it's different. It's gonna be a blast. Those of you who are, who are just out of high school and haven't done many of these or maybe never before, this is totally different than high school camps because we don't have any rules pretty much. It's, it's a complete freedom on your side. I tell my girls all the time, don't ever cross that line because that freedom will go away very quickly. But... There's freedom here. We'll give a couple small rules at the end. But you have um, very loosely scheduled activities for the purpose of fellowship, of communing with one another, um, of getting time yourself with the Lord, of having conversations with different people, getting to know people. So all that's built in. That's what college is. Somebody with a guitar in this room, somebody playing Wii in that room, somebody playing uh, some kind of a card game over there, 57 things going on with no real order to it. It's what college kids do. Um, right, and some different types of coffee from all the different shops around because you're hipster enough that you gotta try them all and make sure that they're good or not. Your pants pegged, all this different stuff is great, and I love you all. Um, but we wanna facilitate help relationships, and so that's why we do this. One of the reasons, obviously, uh, and to get to know people beyond the actual, hey, how's it going, and what's the weather, and okay, I'll talk to somebody else now. The, the, the depth of what real fellowship is and the value of that, hopefully you'll discover some of that this weekend. Now, just saying it out of the gate, this is different from how we've done things in the past. We have Radix houses, right? We got 242 house. And we got a core house. I feel like that's almost, I feel like that's unfair, but uh, group two always goes more. But, but there's a reason, there's a reason for this. Part of it is to get more people actively serving in terms of how we're doing food, setup, all the different things, taking care of the place. Um, but part of it is so that we can 
you can continue to create and form an identity with that Radix group that is a family, that is a community for you. And not that, look, this is not about you stay here, they stay there. This is more about saying we're going to carve out some time uniquely for you in those Radix groups, which I think is going to be really beneficial. So it's a little bit of an experiment, and you can tell me how it goes as we get along with it. But uh, I'm encouraging everybody here to be a little bit vulnerable this weekend, to take a few risks particularly with what's going on in your life and your heart. Um, sometimes we build up walls and we're very careful about who gets in on what issues because part of that, maybe you're, you're a private person or maybe you're a little prideful. You don't want to let anybody know your problems. But this weekend is designed to pull down some of those walls and to expose things. And I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to take a risk in that. Not to stand up in the front and tell everybody unless you're the person giving the testimony tomorrow night. Lucas, but for everybody else, maybe it's in a small group or maybe it's in a one-on-one setting. As you work through those things, take that risk and get into each other's lives, okay? So that's what's going on. You'll notice that we're going to be in small groups regularly. That's a part of what we do. Guys together, girls together, it'll be great, Um, but we're going to have a really good time. I'll explain more about how the weekend's going to work when we do announcements at the end, but in the meantime, we want to open the Word of God, and we have one, two, three, four, five. We have six sessions together. Really, four of them are main sessions, and then two of them, one's an intro tonight, short, and then one will be an outro on Sunday, also <clears throat> short. But we want to um, walk through a very specific theme that we've put together for this weekend. So you have at least something to kind of hang your thoughts on as we're working through this. <coughs> it is the theme or the title is Normal Christianity. There's nothing, there's gonna be nothing to take notes on tonight, okay? It's gonna be that quick of a message. Um, but you are gonna need your Bibles, so, but not yet. But um, Normal Christianity. <laughs> You're welcome to take notes on what I say. I just, you can take, write down the scripture references. That'll be good. Normal Christianity. What does that mean? I, I would say that our theme is baseline Christianity or basic Christianity. Normal Christianity. We want to look at what the Bible says about who Christians are and what they do. Now, I know this is basic, <laughs> hence the title, um, but it is, a, it is a specific theme. Because watch this. In America today and in the evangelical church today, There is confusion on what a real Christian looks like. There's not a ton of confusion in in church like FBC, but walk outside to some of the other churches in our valley and a lot of other churches um, across the nation, and you'll see that there's confusion about what a Christian is. I mean, let's be honest. We live in a country that is a Christian nation. We actually have a Bible belt, okay? And we have a little Bible belt in our area, there's two of them. Um, we pledge allegiance to the flag under God. We put our hands on a Bible in court still and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, and printed onto every form of our currency is the phrase, in God we trust. This country is a, I'll put it in air quotes, a Christian country. Over 65% of those in our country claim to be, to be Christians. And I'd ask the question tonight, are they? I might ask you the question tonight, are you a Christian? Because the people that say they're Christians may go to church. They may even put some money in the basket when it goes by. They may have higher moral standards than the other people around them at school or at work. 
They try to keep their kids out of trouble, the older ones. Um, and, and many churches that people go to in this Christianity, this cultural Christianity, have these churches have created a consumer, consumerism in which they're attracting attenders the same way that people are trying to gain more followers on social media. The, the, the net is spread wide. How can we get more people in the door so we can do bigger programs, get bigger budgets, and look at us as a mega church? That's the goal of a lot of churches. Fill the seats. Bigger budget, bigger show, more entertainment. Whatever attracts people to get them in the door, maybe it's a church in Riverside that rode a Harley Davidson down the center aisle, parked it in the front, and gave it away to somebody that Sunday morning. They've got the resources for it. Somebody walked out there with a Harley. That's pretty cool, right? No, that's not church. That's cool for that person, I guess. But what about the celebrity appearances in church? Trying to get people in just because we've got a celebrity in there. Or, or really the promises of a better life, like a Joel Osteen, your best life now if you just do these things. Many churches have regular series on how you can have a happy life. They major on your family, they major on your money. They major on how you can have a great sex life. They major on how God can fix your problems. They tell you, come here to experience God every Sunday. And for that one hour, they turn the lights down and the smoke machines up. They play melodramatic music and try to pull your heartstrings with stories and good motivational speeches, right? And, and um, uplifting sermons self-help oriented, designed to send the listener out the back door feeling good about themselves. That's what most churches are doing so that you'll want to come back next week because you left with a shot in the arm feeling great. And when was the last time you left FBC feeling like that after a message? (laughs) The reason is because even though that's normal Christianity in America, that's not what the Bible talks about. There's no mention of the holiness or the character of God. Uh, There's no mention of sin. There's no mention of the chasm that exists between a sinful man and a holy God. No call for repentance. No life change. Where is Jesus Christ, the almighty, incredible Savior, in the midst of that? It's just feel-good stories designed to empower you to live a better life by doing more good and slowly earning your way to heaven. That's what the American church is. And so I want to say it this way. This is not normal Christianity according to the Bible. That's what normal Christianity is according to our world and our culture. But the Bible makes claims on Christians that are different. To be a son or a daughter of God demands that we are different people behaving and living different lives. So here we go. The normal regular, everyday commands of the New Testament, here it is, are radical in nature. Because you, you should look at what we're gonna talk about this weekend and call it radical Christianity. And I'm gonna walk through some of the texts that we're gonna look at this weekend really quickly, give you an idea of why and what we're doing. But you look at this and think, well, we should call that radical Christianity because the world around us, this normal Christianity is not what real Christianity is. But we're not defined by what the world or the church around us is doing. We're defined by what the Bible says. And the Bible calls the radical commands of Christ normal. It is normative. 
that Christians sacrifice, that Christians look different, that Christians are not just saying, I believe in Jesus so I can go to heaven, get, my, get out of hell free card. There is a radical difference in the life of somebody that loves Jesus Christ. This is not a God loves you and has a wonderful, pat on your, wonderful plan for your life and a pat on the back as you go out the door and you put your money in the basket. This is calling you to a higher level of following Christ. At this stage in your life, at any stage in your life, to give him all of your heart. And let me say it again, that's normal. The, that's biblical. That's what the New Testament calls us to. As a Christian, when we read the red letters of Jesus or see the other commands of the New Testament or Old Testament, the call is high. It is a radical call. But listen, it is a normal Christianity. It is normal. And I want us to wrap our minds around that theme this weekend, normal Christianity. So I've got like six or seven verses Three of these are verses that we're going to tackle this week, and I just want to walk around some of these radical claims that I'm going to say are normal claims of the New Testament. Is that fair? That's all we're doing tonight, and then we're done. Like I said, this is really quick. So grab your Bibles and open to Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, and I just want to show you some of these radical claims of Christ and radical claims in the epistles that we're going to call normal. So Matthew 10, 37, Jesus speaking, says, he who loves father, and I w- let, me, let me preface this. I want you to feel the weight of this as a Christian. These are coming at you as a human being, as an individual. These are calls on your life from God himself through his word, okay? Jesus speaking, 10, 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That is a crazy, radical claim. And I'm telling you, that is normal Christianity. That is normal Christianity. You know why? Because when God comes and awakens your dead heart and puts his spirit in you, you can't help but say, I love him with everything I have because he loved me first. Verse 38, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Flip over to Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. Half of you will hear this tomorrow morning, the other half on uh, Saturday morning. Jesus speaking, after being questioned by the lawyer in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, and he says, what's the greatest command of the law? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, excuse me, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That's a big deal. The Christian by nature, Deuteronomy 6 in the, in the Shema, Matthew 22, bookend, Old, Old Testament, New Testament, here it is. Love God, love others. That's normal. Your whole heart, all in for Jesus Christ. That's the call. Flip over to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. We'll look at this also, half of you tomorrow morning, half of you tomorrow night. That's not? Nope. Uh, which one is it? Luke nine. Oh, you went to Luke 9. Okay, look at Luke 9. Sorry, it's a different, uh, it's a different version of that. I did hear you preach it, though. 
Luke 9, starting in 23. Jesus speaking, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, you want to follow him? Here's the cost. He must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And here it is again. The call of Jesus Christ in your life is extremely high. Extremely high. And let me say it one more time. This is normal Christianity. It is. It is normal Christianity. How about Matthew 5, verse 28? One, two, I have three more. Matthew 5, 28. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, you've heard all these things. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall keep your oaths. You shall, um, all these different things in Matthew 5. And he answers each one and says in verse 28, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is not easy. This is not just about what you do, it's about what you think. It's about the inside as much as the outside. Just looking is lust. Just desire is there. How do you control those desires? Jesus is going all the way down to the depths of who you are and saying you must be pure and righteous all the way down. That is the call. And he goes to this radical statement, which is normal Christianity. If your right eye makes you stumble, pluck it out and throw it away. Better to enter heaven, basically, he says, right? Better lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to be thrown to hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It's better to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. This is a radical statement. There's a radical demand. This is a high calling that says everything, even your body belongs to him and you must, and your desires, you must give those up. So that's normal, right? Okay, Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1. You know this verse well. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Because of the mercies of God, because of all that God has done in your life, because he loved you enough to go to the cross and buy you back and give you relationship when you were dead in sin, because of those mercies, you now and I now am to put my body, my living body on the altar as a sacrifice. Every day, every situation, all that I am is given as a sacrifice to him. That is your spiritual service of worship. Can we just say that's the way that you worship him is by giving all that you are to him. That is a radical call. And that is normal Christianity. One final verse. We'll look at this on Saturday night. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. You probably have it memorized from your Awana days. But it says there, and I hope you can say this also, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
There's a recognition there that my old life is gone, dead. Think about your past. Think about who you are before Christ. All of that has been put aside. It is crucified with Christ. My new life. I don't even live anymore. Christ, it's his life. And he says this, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. So even though I desire these things, even though the world still appeals to me, guess what? By faith, I choose to live in Christ because I see what's there on the other side. And he says this, why? Again, because he loved me and gave himself up for me. These these are not exceptions to the rule. The missionary, the pastor, the full-time person, the, the, the person that volunteers all their time to serve the Lord, this is not abnormal Christianity. This is not somebody that's radical in their faith. When you look at somebody and they're always serving, like, you do too much. Why do you serve so much? That is not outside of the norm. That is basic Christianity, right? People look at you and go, you serve too much. You're a radical. No, you're not. You're following the basic commands of the New Testament. And I can't help it in my own life. Every time I read the red letters, every time I open my New Testament, it's never, ever that Jesus is looking at me going, you know what? You got this, man. Why don't you take a break? I've got enough of you. Do you ever feel that way? Every time I read, you know what I see there? He always wants more. And it doesn't mean that you got to give more time or give, like, now I go from five hours of sleep to four hours of sleep, necessarily. It's not that. He wants more of our hearts. He wants to own us. He wants to take the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, is inside of you, and he will not be satisfied until Christ is fully formed in you. And so those, and that will happen the day that we step into glory. But in the meantime, there's a tension that's always driving us closer to Christ. That's the process of sanctification. So today, when you read your New Testament and you say, man, I've got a long way to go. Yes, you do. Man, I better get on my horse. Yes, you do. Because Paul said, even at Philippians 3, I'm going after this thing. I want to know him and I'll lay it all down and I'll sprint to the finish line because that is normal Christianity because Jesus is worth it. Right? So that's where we're at. And so this weekend, and I'm done. This weekend, I want to challenge you to hear the words of Jesus Christ and the words of the other New Testament authors. And we want to challenge ourselves to live in light of those realities so that this does become normal Christianity in your mind and in my mind. And maybe you need to take some steps in this way. Some of you in this room don't know Christ as your Savior. You have never experienced the true saving grace of Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that that would happen. That God would would wake you up and show you that you need him. And that he would save you from your sin this weekend. For the rest of us, we want to hit the reset button and come back to normal Christianity. I know we're tired. I know there's a lot of things going on in life. But there is no greater call than that of a Christian. And for us to take that step and say, Lord, what more do you want in my heart? So that's where we're going. And it begins and it ends with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means this. You were dead in your sin because of his great love. He sacrificed, bled, died, bought you back. Watch, watch this. And now as his child, you don't stay up late serving. You're not stacking chairs, cleaning garbage because that's what I gotta do. You're doing it out of gratitude 
and because of love for all that he's done for you, you can't help but want to pour yourself out. And that's what we want to stir this weekend is that thing that says, I got to serve. I got to be telling other people about Christ. I've got to do this because Jesus did it for me and I want to explode out and do that for him. All right, I'm done. Let me pray for us. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Looking forward to all the time together. We're going to sing a few more songs and uh, then we'll wrap this.